Welcome to the Hashtag Racing Family Show, starting a minute or two early here, trying to get some folks in. As we wait for our guest, the esteemed Zach Brown, old friend, really happy for him seeing all that he is achieving, leading the McLaren Racing Team in Formula One, and also the expansion into IndyCar with Aero McLaren SP. Spent a little bit of time with Zach here recently at Long Beach, mostly doing vintage stuff with his amazing 1989 Jaguar XJR10 GTP car. So just wanted to huddle up with Zach, talk about Long Beach, talk about driving the Jag, talk about F1, talk about IndyCar, all here in the Hashtag Racing Family show brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. So in a little early, like I said, just wanted to make sure that we are up and running and ready to go. Going to invite my co-host Chris Wheeler to join in. Apologize for my sub-optimal voice. Still dealing with whatever flu, cold, whatever it is that I got in Long Beach. That isn't COVID, but isn't a lot of fun. Mr. Wheeler, I see you're now here. Hello. Hi. How you doing? You you got sick from a Giants fan. I told you last night. No, not at all. It was all the dirty Dodger fans. I got to tell you, though, Marshall, it's been a beautiful morning here in Indianapolis. Sorry, I was a second late, but I spent the morning polishing my truck with some and servicing my truck with some Justice Brothers products. Good. I drove in on my I drove in on my Cooper tires, and I was just admiring TorontoMotorsports.com to see what I needed to buy next. See, I knew that is exactly what you were doing, and like clockwork, not one minute early, not one minute late, but absolutely directly on time. Our man Zach Brown has joined us. Just sent Zach the invite to speak so hopefully uh, zach will say yes to that and uh come and join us here and uh take part in the little hashtag racing family show zach why don't you unmute yourself i believe you're driving after a long day in the office and say hello here in the hashtag racing family show hello am i unmuted you are oh you sound good first time i've used this technology well uh, seeing as how you're coming from the McLaren Technology Center with the E at the end, uh, I just assume you're chock full of crazy high-tech stuff. Uh, absolutely, but headed to play a little bit of ice hockey. Hopefully I won't trip over the uh, blue line again. How funny. <laughs> well, thanks for taking some time here, Zach. I know folks are certainly looking forward to uh, connecting and uh, chatting with you. Why don't we, uh, if uh, my esteemed co-host, Mr. Wheeler, agrees, why don't we start, Zach, going a little bit to left field? I know folks want to hear about F1 and IndyCar, and we're going to get to that, but the most recent things that you've done involve uh, New York Stock Exchange, ringing the bell, which I know you said was a dream for you, driving an amazing uh, vintage IMSA GTP car at Long Beach, just saying, as an individual, forget your day job. As an individual, seems like you're having a blast these days, Zach. I'm always having a blast. Well, most of the time I'm having a blast. Um, you know, it, uh, I was in New York last week, as you mentioned, that uh, we just announced our partnership with the Intercontinental Exchange, which owns the New York Stock Exchange and amongst many others. And uh, they're a partner with us in our Extreme E team. So we were there uh, making that announcement, doing some media work, and had the pleasure 
of, uh, I didn't actually ring the bell. Lena rang the bell. I get to thump the gavel, uh, which was quite fun. And then, yeah, the uh, weekend before, cheering on our IndyCar team. And then it's amazing that the Jag is a vintage car because it still looks current and it's still plenty fast. So when you think vintage racing, I don't know, you think 1911 Harmon. Uh, that <laughs> Jag feels pretty, uh, pretty, pretty new to me. It was, uh, it was awesome and, of course, a home race for me. So I had a lot of fun. And I think, as I mentioned, uh, as we were doing some in-car with the Jag, on the topic of it being, quote, vintage, Man, it's depressing, Zach. I saw that car debut when it was brand new, and, you know, I don't feel any older. I know I look massively older, but the eyes are just a strange thing because I see this car that looks as fresh and new and beautiful as ever, and then I realize, oh, man, a lot of time has gone by. But nonetheless, I do also love the fact, maybe you can share with folks uh, about this quickly, you're ripping around Long Beach. Granted, lap time's not as fast as the uh, the two Air McLaren SP Chevy Indy cars, but I am strongly of the belief that you had at least 50, 50 to 100 horsepower more with that raging 3.5-liter twin-turbo V6. So just tell folks what it was like uh, getting your helmet knocked back every time you're upshifting that thing down Shoreline Drive. It's, uh, it's mega quick. I don't think we had it geared uh, right from fourth to fifth, so I got a bit of lag, but uh, that's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. What I didn't realize, it's been a long time since I've been around Long Beach, how bumpy the track is. Uh, like, really bumpy. Um, which, to me, adds character to the racetracks, because there's some corners there that you have to be very careful when you're putting the power down, especially in the Jag, because if you're not pointed straight, I think you'd be backwards real quick. So it definitely was a track that uh, commanded some uh, a lot of respect. Zach, when we look at some of the different vehicles you've driven in this vintage kind of world and what you and the United Autosports program has done, what, I mean, what is the ultimate car in the collection, or what's the ultimate car of yours in the lineup for that vintage stuff? Uh, it has to be my 91 Senna Monaco winner. Uh, he won the championship that year. He won Monaco in the particular chassis. McLaren's my favorite team. Senna's my favorite team. Monaco is kind of the pinnacle, so is obviously the Indy 500 in Le Mans, but from a Formula One standpoint. So that one ticks every box other than I can't get in it. <laughs> well, I know the feeling on that. So if that's the pinnacle of what's in the in the garage now, what's the one that you don't have? What's the one that you've just – the opportunity comes up, it's whatever it takes, or the one that you, you're really keen to add – the one I would love to get, and there was a window of opportunity, but it was a big boy price tag, was the uh, Rothman's Le Mans winner. Uh, I've got a Le Mans pole sitter, the Lancia. I don't have a Le Mans winner. I've got a Monaco winner. I've got an Indy 500 winner. So kind of Le Mans being the mega race that it is, I... Um, don't have a Le Mans winner, and then to me, that Rothman's car was iconic as a, a golf car, a martini car, a John Player special car, so that that would be the car that I would, uh, I'd love to get, but it's a, it's a pretty big number these days. So, 
a lot of people don't know maybe as much of your backstory as, as others. But if you go all the way back to being on the east side of Indianapolis at your track attack headquarters, looking at the journey you've been on since then, how often do you think back to those days and remember those, you know, what you had planned and where you wanted to achieve and, and, and kind of just reminisce on how you've made it now to this pinnacle point of your motorsport career? Um, I don't think about it too much um, because I'm, I'm highly motivated and, and uh, kind of live by if I'm not moving forwards, I'm, I'm going backwards. So I tend not to think too much about um, the past. I, I probably should. I think that's kind of where my um, vintage race cars come in is I think it kind of makes me feel young you know we talk about the jag i remember meeting tony dow who was the team manager for tom walkinshaw back when those cars were were racing so i think that's my probably uh uh conscious uh think back to the past of being a a, a fan but today i'm kind of fully focused on what's going to happen in imola this week and uh so therefore i tend to always be kind of looking forward Zach, why don't we, speaking of forward, why don't we jump to the present? Going to talk about Imola, obviously, in just a moment. Let's talk about IndyCar. We had a story last week uh, from a, an esteemed reporter, Jenna Fryer, uh, mentioning that you may have already signed a driver, a new driver at least, uh, for your the Aero McLaren SP IndyCar team uh, for 2023 and beyond. I don't want to get into the running through a whole laundry list of names. Did you sign this person? Did you sign that person? But uh, the story did seem to suggest some some actions been taken. Can you at least tell us whether uh, any new names have been put to a contract or if that's more uh, something waiting for a few months down the road later into summer possibly? Yeah, we're definitely committed to running a, a third car. We've... Um placed all the orders for all the equipment so now we're uh doing what you'd expect us to be doing which is trying to figure out what our driver lineup looks like uh next year we haven't uh finalized that so i'd, I'd hope to have something done uh you know kind of the first half of the the season for for maximum preparation there's some great drivers in in indycar well lots of great drivers but some that are uh available so we're just trying to figure out what's our best uh three car driver lineup and then spoke today actually about would we run a a fourth car uh at the indy 500 which we probably would it's a little early to make a definitive decision but i'd say we're leaning towards that and are we talking a fourth car for next year or are you going to be i was going to say are you going to be the one who pulls the thorn from indycar's paw and covers off the 33rd uh, we need for this year. And just as a sidebar, I might end up writing a book, Zach, on all of the <laughs> craziness just for 2022. I have a story. I, I'm half finished. Yeah, no, for this year, we're all set with our lineup, Felix, Pato, and, and Juan Pablo. Uh, so next year, we'll definitely go to three full-time cars. And I would say probably a fourth car at the uh, at the Indy 500, but I think we got a little bit of time. I want to see how the, the three cars play out first before making a, a decision on a fourth car at the 500. I, I will just go ahead right. and suggest that uh, 
since you've got our man JPM, uh, just prepare yourself for the barrage of, you know, there's this kid, Sebastian Montoya, who'd be really good in a fourth car at the 500. So I can't wait for the old man to start selling you on that. Let's talk about... He started. He started. Oh, he's already doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. That makes sense. I love... I'm serious. I love Montoya. I love what he brings to your team. He's great. So you guys unveiled uh, the three-car Indy 500 new livery in partnership with uh, Undefeated again. Looks like uh, a patchwork of the same colors applied in different places across the three cars. I don't know if you've seen social media reaction or if you care about social media reaction, but uh, give us your take, Zach, on uh, a very different approach to presenting these three cars for the 500. Yeah, so I definitely care about social media uh, reaction because we care a lot about what our our fans say we, we listen to them. Of course, uh, you don't always get uh, 100% great reaction. I've not actually seen, because I've been flat out, what reaction has been. I'll, I'll, I'll get a report on that in short order. Um, and, and I like that we're doing stuff different. I think we, we have since we've come to back, to back to Indy, starting with Fernando in 2017 and you know, our, our golf livery in Monaco last year was really well received, as was our special livery in Abu Dhabi. So I, I think it's important to mix it up every once in a while. I think you see, uh, obviously, NASCAR kind of does it to the extreme, where one car might have 15 liveries over the course of the year. I think that's maybe a bit too much. I think you want to kind of have your identity, but to picks it up every once in a while. I think gives the fans something uh, exciting to, to look at, buy some merchandise, get some additional photos, and uh, I think the team does a really good job with it. Going to move over to F1 here, Zach, and maybe we'll bounce back and forth a little bit and invite a, uh, a listener to to throw something in afterwards to you. Interesting year so far in F1. Frankly, been an interesting one for you as well in IndyCar where with the regulation change in Formula One, we didn't know what we were going to see compared to last year. Would all the same names be up front? Would there be any struggles adapting to the new regs? Tell us where you're at expectation-wise with the team heading into Imola. I mean, if we look at the standings, Lando being an eighth, uh, Daniel being 11th, I mean, those are things you can work with for sure, but What's your mindset coming into uh, into round four? How close are you, do you think, to getting a real handle on moving the team even farther forward in the standings? Uh, well, I think anytime you've got the amount of regulation change that we've had, someone's going to get it right, someone's going to get it wrong, and I think we've we've seen that. Um, you know, Ferrari have done an outstanding job. The back end of the field is, you know, Aston Martin, who doesn't have a a point yet, um, who historically have been, well, they were really strong when they were Force, force India. And, um, you know, we had big troubles in Bahrain. You know, we had a, 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 a brake issue, which I was very impressed. The team was able to get us through Bahrain, but we obviously totally lacked performance. And then they recovered really quickly. We were pretty strong in Saudi and Australia. Um, we're kind of back to where we were last year. 
That being said, I think uh, Alpine is, is very quick, and had Fernando not had his problems, I think he would have been a, a tough customer. So I think everyone's still getting their hands, uh, arms around the car. We've got a major development program coming, as do the, the majority of the field, I'm sure. So I feel like we're getting our arms around it, but I think what we're going to see, which is what we're seeing, is great close racing. I think the aerodynamic rules appear to have worked as far as the cars racing more closely together. I think the field will gradually get tighter, so I would think that the lead that Ferrari and Red Bull have right now, I would think Mercedes will start to close the gap. I'd hope we'd start to close the gap. I think Alpine's very strong, so I think we're in store for a very exciting, unpredictable season. I do think Ferrari and Red Bull have uh, the field covered, and by the time people catch up, they may already have uh, uh, an unstoppable lead, but I think we're in store for a great season. Thanks, Zach. We've got you for about five more minutes. Uh, also invited our friend Bryson to speak here in just a second. But, Mr. Wheeler, why don't you uh, throw another question at Zach, and we'll invite Bryson in, and then we will thank everybody for tuning in. Well, Zach, I, I think it's been no you know, no secret. A lot of people have, have fallen in love with the McLaren culture you know, at, when you're steering it. And a common question that pops up a lot in person on social media is, what's next? What's next for the McLaren Group globally? Where is it headed? You know, is there is there is there an LMDH coming? Is it factory support NIMSA um, on the GT side? Is it Formula E? Are you going to start racing spaceships next? So, what, what what do you got for us as far as what does the future hold for McLaren? What what should we expect to see coming? Well, the two series that we've been reviewing for for some time, and you know, our kind of review of the. The series themselves are done because they're not foreign to us. It's just more a, um, are we ready to take on uh, additional racing? And that, that is, of course, uh, sports car racing, specifically LMDH and Formula E. We've had a really good response to Extreme, which kind of raises our enthusiasm for Formula E. And then, of course, we won Le Mans. We've got a great sports car business, so that very much fits uh, within our branded racing activities. You know, when we take on additional racing, and I'm sure you've, you've kind of, uh, hopefully I don't sound like a broken record, we want to make sure that financially it's additive to McLaren Racing, so I don't want to take Formula One monies to pay for IndyCar, IndyCar monies to pay for Formula E, et cetera. So everything kind of has to stand on its own two feet commercially, like Formula One and Extreme E and IndyCar currently do. We need to make sure that it doesn't distract our other racing efforts. So people on the Formula One team are on Formula One. People that are on the IndyCar team are on IndyCar. You know, you can't kind of moonlight in other series. I think that's one of the big things I learned about in 2019 was that was a bunch of great people that were moonlighting um, because they had other roles and, and you see the outcome there is, is you don't get the job done um, and then being able to not just technically operationally not be a distraction uh, to the other racing activities but also you know commercially so the good news is you know, I like where our IndyCar team is. Still plenty of room to, 
to grow and improve. Same thing with Formula One, same thing with Extreme E. So I feel like we can uh, take on some more racing adventures and, you know, when and if we do, it would be one of those two racing series or two of those racing series or potentially none. But those are the two that remain uh, on our radar and of high interest. Bryson, why don't you uncork the world's fastest question for Zach because we've got about one more minute left with him before he needs to go do <laughs> other things. All yours, brother. Yeah, just uh, Zach, I'm a huge fan. I'm glad I had a chance to uh, talk with you briefly. Who do you think is your biggest rival on the grid, and what are you trying to do to beat them? Um, well, the, your, your biggest rival is, well, I can answer that a couple different ways. In, in one way, it's Mercedes, because they have the same power unit as us. So for us, they are our truest benchmark because you know you can take the power unit out of the equation where you know does ferrari have more power or not or the honda so i think mercedes is who we kind of benchmark ourselves against then of course it's whoever's the most competitive team at the time and you know currently ferrari is the strongest team and there's a great ferrari mclaren history which is is fun and then, of course, you shift into other racing series. And, you know, Roger Penske's my uh, hero in, in motorsports and in business. And I think he runs an unbelievable team. His results speak for himself. So he's always the bar in, in IndyCar. So I think um, we have lots of competitors. But I think if you can beat Penske in IndyCar, you know you've done a great job. If you can beat Mercedes in Formula One or whoever's at the front of the field, you know you've done a great job. So those are the ones that uh, we're constantly looking at. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Zach, appreciate you taking some time phoning in, driving in, thinking in, responding to questions. And thanks to your entire McLaren team for uh, making all this possible. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks to all of you for tuning in here in the Hashtag Racing Family Show brought to you by Cooper Tires the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com. And next up, either later today or tomorrow, we'll have our friend Beth Peretta. who just announced her Peretta Autosport team will be doing three road course and street course races in the NTT IndyCar Series starting in June. Zach, thank you, brother. Thanks, Marshall. Talk to you guys later.